Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Great. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon I to was you. Bloody mowing the lawn again yesterday. It's driving me mad. <laughs> Well, my husband informed me today he's going to have to take a side towers <laughs> or a strimmer or something. The lawnmower isn't able to manage. God, the grass is absolutely jumping out of the ground. Mm. Um, and I mean, it really, I mean, I spoke about it last week, how every day we get now is such a bonus. And I, I believe the weather maybe kind of can turn for the worst over the weekend. But it is glorious here. It is sunny. It is dry, it's clear, it's peaceful, um, you know, and, you know, anywhere you look, the trees are turning. Uh, we've bought an ivy on the house here and it's just gone scarlet overnight. Absolutely scarlet. It would do your heart good. But talking, you were talking there about your um, thought of the day there or fact of the day about the horses. Um, I was down at the Japanese gardens, the, the, the National Stud in Japanese gardens there a few days ago. And if you want to, if you're in that location, it's a fantastic day out, a great day out for all the family. And the leaves are all just turning colour now. And they've loads of maples and acers and they're just divine. So a day out at the uh, National um, Stud and the Japanese Gardens in Kildare would be really well worth the money. Right. OK, uh, good tip there. Now, what's happening with the uh, with the Rams and the O's? Well, yeah, well, look, there's at least a bit of activity, unlike on the rest of the country, because um, when, when it, you know, look, the, the harvests are in and saved, the fodder is in, plenty of silage. I mean, there's nobody needs to grow any more of it and the grass just keeps coming. And I suppose with all the big jobs done, there is a, a quietness that's after coming across the countryside. The tractors aren't on the go all the time. The big trailers, the, you know, all that gear has quietened down. But what hasn't, what's really getting into business, um, the, the bulls and the cows have been doing their business together for the last couple of months. And that's nearly all sorted by this stage or should be. But the rams, um, uh, we only let them out with the yos last week. And I was just looking at them. You know, we, uh, they're in a field near the house here because they get hand fed. They come up and they love having their ears roped. Um, and they're sitting there for the last couple of months without a care in the world. And all they have to do is get nice and sturdy and strong to be able to manage all these yos that we put them with last week. So they really have, you know, they're not even monogamous. They don't take any care of the young. <laughs> they take no responsibility for anything. And, um, you know, it has to be one of the easiest jobs now that you possibly get. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're out with the, the yos now and we'll see how we get on. They didn't, you know, some years now you'd know rams would be very getting very anxious and frisky around the place. But our lads um, were lying back in chewing the cud there now for whatever, 22 hours a day it looked like. And uh, we'll see how they get on. Uh, because your rams actually, you know, a ram can kind of service up to, I suppose, 40, 50 yos. And if you had one or two bad rams, you won't find out that he, they didn't serve the yo or the yo didn't go into lamb for, you know, a couple of weeks now, uh, a couple of weeks time. That's when you'd find out or even later than that. And um, you could end up with a very, very poor lambing rate when it comes to next February or March. And you're wondering, you know, which of the boys didn't do the job. Now, that can be sorted by putting different colours of rattle on the rams so that you know 
which ram is served which yows and then you can figure out if they don't have lambs uh, who the culprit was but um but they certainly they really do have a charmed life now with very little work to do and you know the yows in contrast they'll give birth to lambs Lambs, they will immediately, the vast majority of them, start to mother them and they will stay at it for the next couple of months. They're delighted when they get the break in early summer and the lambs are all weaned. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 it's uh, an interesting time. And I suppose it's what gives people, farmers, that's, that sense of anticipation, of optimism. And, you know, it keeps people farming because they, they you know, they, they really like looking forward to what the new year brings. Yes, indeed. So what's what's happening with oats? Well, what's oats? Well, it's really the Flavin family down in Kilmac Thomas in County Waterford. You know, when I used to, you know, the porridge here, Flavin's porridge, I didn't think there was a family called Flavin's who actually owned it, that company and who had, you know, built it up over the generations. Well, now, you know, the Flavin family have to be one of the major food success stories in the country. Family business, it's, at, it's about 236 years in operation. 236 in basically the same family and seven generations. So that is some, um, you know, some sense of achievement there for a business to continue within the family and for them to be able to change and adapt and do things in time and not, you know, not get taken over. Um, I met Mary and uh, John Flavin many times and um, I was very sorry that, you know, with the passing of Mary last year, just over a year ago now, she was an absolutely wonderful woman, a scientist in her own behalf, who became a real force in the business once she'd reared her family of six children. Um, absolutely star of a lady. But they're, they're really well known for their porridge. You know, you get, you know, you hear about Flavin's instant porridge, mm-hmm. their flapjacks and their granola. Their granola is stockpiled in this house. And they're also a big source of um, organic oats. And in initially when they started doing the organic, um, you know, produce, it was hard to get uh, oats grown in Ireland. and They were having to import it from the UK. But they're now have hmm. announced, they've now announced that they're able to source 100% of their oats um, from, from Irish suppliers, Irish farmers. And, you know, that's fair use to them to be able to convince uh, farmers to grow organic and, um, and to be able to supply them with, with, you know, their full requirement. So they've now announced that they'll have a quota of, uh, on, their, uh, of, on their supplies from Irish farmers. And in, in one respect, you know, in some kinds, kinds you think quotas are bad things, but here it's good because it really gives the, the growers of the organic oats the certainty that they need to plant a crop in this part of the year to have it maturing, you know, next year at some stage. Yeah. So fair dues to them. And, um, and, and, you know, in one respect, the Department of Agriculture could take a, a leaf out of their book because... Um, we have a target, a country target of 350,000 hectares of ground to go organic by 2030. And that's only like nine years away. And we're only at 72,000 hectares now. And that's about 2% of the agriculture land. And the EU is aiming at 25%. And on top of that, then, the, the organic farming scheme was, on, was open there for new applicants. But they only fill 60% of the available uh, places so you know if they have to fill if they need to meet these um eu uh, uh targets they're certainly going to have to 
check out what's happening with Lahavans that they're able to convince people to go organic and see what the story is with the other enterprises on farms. Now, I suppose on farms, no more than Lincoln, and many, many other industries in this country, staff is, is a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, it's a survey that the IFA has completed and the other farm organisations as well. And they're saying initially 500 work permits required to fill the gap. It doesn't look likely that it's going to be filled by Irish or EU nationals. So they want the Minister for Agriculture, I presume it's him now um, or her, that they want to put in place a work permit scheme for non-nationals who are skilled at running dairy enterprises. Now, this doesn't include, you know, piggeries or poultry units or beef enterprises. This is purely dairy. Now, in my own opinion, um, I think there's a, a lot to go on here about, you know, with COVID is partly to blame for this because last year in particular, with all the schools and colleges off last spring, um, you know, there, there was virtual lectures, kids were home from school. So when, and then also all the amount of young people who were working from home rather than the office, um, you know, when they shut down the laptops at half five or six o'clock, uh, there was plenty to do down the yard. You know, there was cows to be milked and cows to be looked after and fodder to be done and houses to be cleaned out and all the rest of it. And there was plenty of young people there to do it. So I actually think that um, that's one of the problems that has occurred here. Mm. Why there's a shortage? Because people are gone back to their colleges or they're gone back to work in the cities and there isn't the labour at home on the farms for this year, for this coming right. spring. Okay. Well, I imagine with, with a lot of people labouring on farms have, being from outside Ireland, they'd be immigrants. Not really. Mm. They, they were coming from Eastern Europe, all right, and it was mainly driven by the very big dairy units. Um, but, you know, and then, you know, Irish people as well wanting to get work experience, getting a three-month location or, you know, placement on farms. They're a big part of the labour force on farms at the moment. You know, students who have to get a placement and have to get trained in the different enterprises. But this is separate to it outside of that. We're talking about the, the 500 plus um, for the dairy industry from outside the EU. And there seems to be a willingness for people to come to Ireland, um, but they need the work permits. And that's a matter for the department. Uh, Alan Mazan, uh, not giving out about you. He says that'll be Virginia Creeper going red, not Ivy. N- no, he's wrong. Nah, now Alan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Boston Ivy. It's the, the tricuspidata. There's two types of uh, Virginia creeper. It's Virginia creeper, which is a sink cuspidata, which has five serrations on the leaves. And tricuspidata is actually the Boston Ivy. It's very misleading to call it a, an ivy when it's not really an ivy. It's deciduous. But it is actually Boston Ivy. And the other one then is the um, Virginia creeper. It's a different, it's more loosely, um, it's more trailing rather than sticks to the wall. You know, Mm. it sticks to the wall in places, but it trails a lot as well. So there's two types of them. So just now I could be proved wrong, but I, I... I think that's the situation. And uh, now when you can say the Latin name of it, uh, I think that wins that <laughs> argument for yeah. sure. Well, it's tricuspidata and sync, C-I-N-Q, isn't it? Five cuspidata. And it depends on which set of leaves you have as to whether you have Boston ivy or whether you have a Virginia creeper. Uh, now, it's deer rutting season. 
Yeah, imagine. Um, you never think I'd be bringing that into the conversation. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but uh, yes, it's deer rutting and the deer are on the move. The young males have been thrown out of their, their families and they're off trying to find the girlfriend and likewise the males. And um, so just for uh, just a warning to people, rural motorists, uh, especially, you know, where you see the signposts of the, the leaping deer, um, uh, you, you, hill walkers as well want to be careful and so do farmers so be vigilant be, be, because some deer can be aggressive this time of the year so you just need to, to watch what you're go, doing mm. and the other thing then just in terms of driving as long as we get this sunshine and long may it continue if you're driving into the west be very careful of um and I don't mean the west of Ireland now, anywhere west. If you're driving west, towards the west and the setting sun, be really careful drivers of people who are walking the, the rural roads for their exercise because it's virtually impossible to see them. So both sets of people need to be um, careful, the, the drivers and the walkers, and to be aware that you know visibility with that high sun, that real bright harvest sun, is you know is, is quite difficult. Yes, indeed. Uh, and finally, bit of good news though. I don't know. Given the current negotiations that are going on, uh, um, it might be a poison chalice. But uh, well, have you read? If you've read the latest carry on from Dominic Cummins, it would certainly make you think. Yeah. Hello. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we're yeah, we're, we're, no, we're still here. Little, but uh, the little red tractor. Yeah. The little red tractor is the kind of the equivalent of the board beer symbol in England. So when people see it, they know they're buying British. So they surveyed uh, consumers about where were the most trusted, uh, who were, what countries were the most trusted when it comes to food imports. Ireland absolutely beat the sugars out of every other country. France, Germany, Netherlands, Denmark, Italy, Sweden, New Zealand, Spain, Canada, Australia, Poland, Japan, Argentina, US, Brazil, Kenya and China. Ireland topped it, topped the list when it came to beef, chicken, pork and dairy and absolutely was the first choice and the most trusted. Um, it, um, New Zealand beat the lamb New Zealand lamb beat Irish lamb, and we are, we're the same as um, Spain, I think, with apples. But um, but the level of trust of the Irish food imports to the UK, absolutely second nearly to none, uh, right across the board. And it was quite striking, you know, that you know so many of the countries weren't even in the first three places that you would really associate, associate with food exports, like Denmark and the Netherlands, you know, yeah. uh, for dairy and... Um, Argentina for beef wasn't too bad, but uh, Australia and New Zealand really only for the lamb, not really trusted. Yeah, um, it's to the same extent as Ireland. It is. So you know, it's good when UK consumers, whatever happens with regards to the politics of the matter, but the consumers rank Ireland among well nearly uh, across the most trusted uh, for food imports across. Uh, a number of the, the main enterprise states. Right. Well, hopefully they'll trust us enough to pay a bit more for it, uh, which may well be the case. Mairead, uh, thanks, yes. William, for talking to us today. Mairead Lavery, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.